the wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Thank That's you. Nice. Uh, I am Jeff Lake. Uh, I'm a fan of Robert George's Wheel of Time series, and I'm joined by... I'm Alice Sullivan. Uh, I'm not a huge fantasy reader, but I do love the Wheel of Time series. Uh, I'm Micah Sparkman. I I do read a lot of fantasy, and I read this book a long, long time ago, so I almost remember not, none of it, so it's almost like reading it brand new. It's great. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so welcome to The Dragon Reread. Uh, we're rereading all of uh, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels and podcasting about it for you. Uh, this time, we read uh, chapters 6 through 10 of The Eye of the World, the first book of The, the Wheel of Time. Do you guys have anything you want to talk about before we jump into it i'm ready to jump right in yeah uh, let's see last time we talked we uh what happened to our our heroes was we met uh, uh rand matt and perrin as the main bros yeah they could have established uh, their 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 interactions together and what yeah, kind of folks and they live they in a good. small town called emmons field yeah which is a nice little town in the fantasy world uh and then what happened we had some mysterious visitors we had yeah. tom who's the uh the gleeman yeah the most exciting thing that's ever happened in this town they had they had tom the gleeman and they had moraine and lan mm-hmm. oh, the fancy lady and her warrior bro yeah. yeah and then uh yeah so we got we established our, our essentially our cast of characters and then yeah then there was and some then, some terrible things afoot yeah there were some some foreboding omens rand and his friends had seen a black rider in the woods yeah. mm-hmm. so rand and his father headed back to their farm where they were attacked by Trollocs, creatures from a fairy tale. Yeah. Uh, which were these kind of twisted animal guys mm. in, in black mail with curved swords for cutting people up. Yeah, they sounded really sinister. Right, and they, they trashed their farm. Seared uh, shit everywhere. Like yeah. literal shit everywhere. Was, yeah. Was pretty Wounded nasty. Tam, uh, Rand's father. Yeah. Uh, but they managed to get away into the woods. And uh, last we saw them, they were heading off into the woods in the middle of the night, the frozen yeah. night. Trying yeah. to get back to Eamon's Field, where the wisdom, Nynaeve, is supposed to uh, help Tam since he got attacked by the Trollocs. Yeah, he's not. He's he's in real bad shape. It sounds like the the cut itself wasn't all that severe, but he se- it seems to be making him really sick. Mm-hmm. It was like a superficial mm-hmm. wound that he doesn't seem to be doing very well with for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we learned most of that in this chapter. Uh, so this is chapter six. Yeah. Uh, the Westwood, uh, and so. Tam, the Rand's father, wound, his wound is, it doesn't seem like much, but he's burning up with fever and he's delirious. Mm-hmm. And he's saying crazy stuff. And so Rand kind of manages to, to bandage him up and to put him on a litter and starts dragging him through the woods. Uh, and traveling through the woods in the, the frozen winter night is awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It turns out being an adventurer kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even made it, making it even more awful, uh, Tam starts just talking about his history. Apparently he never mentioned any of his history to Rand. It's so much that Rand doesn't even realize that this is, like, not madness. It could be just crazy stuff he's saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he starts talking about a great war that he was in, about you know, some horde of people that came in came in and killed everybody that they saw. Uh, let's see. And that there was a big battle near a mountain. And uh, after that battle, Tam found a baby. There was a baby on the battlefield, born on a battlefield, which yeah. is pretty sweet. That's pretty metal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then he kind of implies that he and his his wife hadn't been able to have a kid, so he took in this baby. Uh, what? Could I know. Rand not be who he thought he was? Is this what like not the? Is this yeah. not the worst way to find out you're adopted? I mean, like you're like you're dragging your <laughs> delirious, your, your delirious, possibly dying father, yeah. father, and then he's like, oh, by the way, you're adopted. You know, yeah. I mean, like that's that's rough, right? I mean, yeah. Puck said there'd be days like this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and uh, in in the middle of all this rambling, uh, Rand actually 
gets close gets buzzed by a, a patrol of Shrollocks on the road because he's he's really close to the road. Mm-hmm. He was actually looking for the road, right? When he uh, when he saw the the patrol. Yeah. Well, he, I think he's trying to follow the he's trying to follow the road without being on the road, right? Like he wants to like follow it because he doesn't want to get lost, oh, but he doesn't yeah, want to be on right. the road because he doesn't want to get spotted. Right. So. But he's real close to it when a right. patrol of Trollocs comes marching by, followed by the Black Rider. Yeah. This this strange, you know, incredibly scary guy whose gaze is death or whatever. And his cloak is undisturbed by wind. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, like what 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 is that what what are they getting at there? Like, Does he, he feel the wind? Does it go through and, and like uh, apply to his body? Like is it like he's not wearing a cloak? I don't know. Is he not I mean like is he not really there? I don't know, but I feel like there's more meaning to cloaks than we realize. I know we talked about cloaks last time, mm. but maybe there's something there about materials since we have the wheel weaving. So oh, the wheel was, weaves of the wheel wills. I was yeah. wondering if it was like a symbolism thing. Like so wind has has obviously like a strong symbolic meaning in this is like the winds of time and and so if he's untouched by wind, what does that mean about oh, that? Okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's so good. Maybe that means he's uncanny, right? He's not natural. He's outside the flow of history. Yeah. Something like that. Or yeah. outside the flow of nature cuz the trollocs oh. I'm I'm suspecting. I'm just guessing but i think the trollocs are probably some sort of genetically engineered mutants of some sort right yeah yeah they're all so crazy looking yeah that's that's what they are like and that's how you make super soldiers is you mix random animals together yeah right <laughs> man that's gotta be a messy process right i mean like what, I mean, do we even want to know what that looks like it's, it's probably horrible nightmarish and they scream all the time yeah. right mm-hmm. it's probably do it in a volcano you yeah know? well but this uh, then again this is like a far future so maybe they there's like some <laughs> some like secret uh, so yeah it, you know, it's monster Santo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a lab where there's some scientists in white coats just like Yeah. Yeah. And we have some um, we have some interesting foreshadowing going on here. I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but if it's in the Rand, book, yeah. Rand is walking along and he's saying and he's trying to figure things out and he's listening to Tam telling all these stories and he's thinking to himself, Well shit, like Trollocs were just a story this morning, all these things. We thought they were just stories. And then it says Maybe they're not. Maybe next he might actually meet the Green Man or an Ogier Giant or a wild Black Veiled Ale Man. Oh, yeah. 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 So maybe some interesting hints going on there. Yeah, some of those things might come up in the series. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 but there's this creepy scene where the the patrol of Trollocs and the the Black Rider ride by, and uh, and Rand's like, okay, good, they're gone. But then the Rider comes back, right? Only this time he's not making any noise. Mm-hmm. He could hear his horse before, but he can't now. Interesting. And he comes, he comes back through looking, you know, just and almost gets ran that way. Uh, and this, it's super creepy because yeah. it's just unnatural, right? He doesn't make any noise. The wind doesn't affect him. Uh, he's, he's looking around and you, you can't see his face, but it's clear that he can see everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's clearly looking for somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he came, the, the, more importantly, the patrol came from the east, from town, not from the, the farm oh. that was just destroyed. I missed That's that. right. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, I mean, what, what, do you think this is like this is happening post attack at this point? Because I mean, it's it seems like it takes him all night to get there and back, right? Yeah. So is, is he seeing the re- returning uh, Trollocs, or it's, it's unclear to him, right? And I don't think he even notices that they came from the east until yeah. a little bit later. Yeah. Because he's you know he's a farm boy, right? He's not thinking too clearly about these horrible monsters that are there to chop him up. He also hasn't like, he hasn't slept. He's you know. Had his has house destroyed, his life destroyed. Right. He, he, he didn't get prob- to eat his stew and tea. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's he's thinking, man, I really wish I had had a little bit of that stew before I you know started dragging my right exactly my dad around. Yeah, what I what I thought was interesting is that uh, even at this point, even even this early on, Rand uh, doesn't seem to romanticize the idea of adventure. You know, he he, it seems like some of the other characters like Matt, kind of 
think about this idea of adventure as something yeah. that's exciting and, and, and legendary. Rand is just like, now nah, I kind of just want to stay home and, and do my own thing. He doesn't yeah. seem excited about you know, being involved yeah. in adventure. So far, it's been a very negative experience for him, though. <laughs> yeah. right? that a, that's a good point. Can't really yeah. blame him. Yeah. yeah. Like, they, you know, horrible monsters came and pooped all over his house and, and injured his dad. Yeah. Isn't that a kind of a that's a kind of a trope, though, isn't it? Um, I mean, you have the the unwilling adventurer. You have in the Lord of the Rings, you've got Bilbo and the Hobbit, and you've got Frodo, who both just kind of want to stay where things are and have things go as normally as possible. Mm. I feel like you can see that in other series too. The unwilling hero. Yeah, because the sacrifice yeah. is greater, I guess. Then, if they're not want, willing yeah. to do it, yeah, the, the kind of the point is, it's adventures are cold and dangerous, and they they really suck while you're having them. Yeah, yeah, uh, even especially the ones that make a really great story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. yeah. So the so that's so Rand just barely makes it to uh, Emmons Field, and that he reaches there in chapter seven, out of the woods. Mm. He staggers into town, but the town is burned. It's burned to the ground. Clearly, Uh-oh. there've been Trollocs there. Uh, it seems like half the town is burned. Uh, some of the houses are still standing, and some of the houses have been burned to the ashes. Uh, and there's the plow horses. I think Bran Alvere's plow horses, or somebody's plow horses, okay, are dragging Dur- Durans or something. Durans, which I don't. Is that a real thing in the real world? I don't think so. I've um, never heard that word before. Yeah, but they're they're dragging Trolloc bodies around, and it, it, clearly the Trollocs have been here too, which which Rand is pretty surprised by. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he he was only a small part of it, and so he goes in and he's kind of in shock. Uh, but he, he still, Robert Jordan still makes a point of saying, well, these two rivers folk are so hardy that they're clearly, they're already starting to rebuild. You know, they're not, they're not taking this too, too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are already starting to go through their stuff and find, uh, you know, what, what's, what's remnant so that they can yeah. start over, I guess. Real salt of the earth folk yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tam is still hurt. Uh, so he takes her to see Nynaeve, Nynaeve, Nynaeve. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Nynaeve basically triages him and says, nope, he's dead. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's pretty rough, right? I mean, like, yeah. how, how fast do you think he'd identify that he's just, he's about to die? I mean. Yeah, especially yeah. if we, we find, we're about to find out that it's because he's been poisoned, right? By this Trolloc blade. Essentially, yeah. he's been poisoned. How would she be able to recognize that? She must have seen it before. Like this morning. Yeah. Oh, okay. She must have seen other people in the village who had she, it. Yeah, that's a good point. So she just totally gives up on him. Yeah, she's like, "No, sorry, this guy's uh, right. going to zip him up now." Or it's not even that necessarily she can't fix him. It's that she could fix you know five people in the time it would take her to fix him. So she's triaging. And can I just say this is a weird detail, and I don't know why Robert Jordan included. And I'd like to get your thoughts on this, but he makes a point of talking about how naive and. Egwene, yeah, Egwene. How Nynaeve and Egwene wash their hands a lot. They keep their hands really clean. That's mentioned in a few places, which is great because that that they, I guess, they have some sort of understanding of like hygiene and bacteria and stuff. I'm gonna, yeah. They they never say bacteria, right? No, no. Microorganisms are bad for wounds. Yeah. But clearly, that's right. Proper medical practice by a modern standpoint, and yeah, it feels anachronistic, really. It does. I I see it as a. I'm going to harp on my favorite theme, but Robert Jordan is a Vietnam veteran, right? And he yeah. probably saw a lot of medics that were filthy, right? Mm. Except their hands were clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Okay. So that, that might have been a distinctive thing for him. to th- Like, that might have been a signifier of, like, a really traumatic post-battle situation. Interesting. Okay. I read it as, as him, something so, so along those lines. Essentially, he was hinting that, because when Rand walks up, he didn't he didn't know what they'd been up to. Uh, it didn't occur to him that, that they were treating the wounded. So it was it was... 
a, a, a nod to the reader, like, these people yeah. are, like, taking care of, these are, the healers yeah. are going around healing people. Well, yeah, Rand didn't think when he was bandaging, bandaging his father, you know, my hands are dirty, you know, yeah. I just yeah. stuck my hands in trollic poop, I really shouldn't touch anything. <laughs> yeah. I so, assume he touched a lot of trollic Do you think poop. it's it's common knowledge that you need clean hands when you're dealing with skin breaks? Absolutely not, but I suspect that uh, Nynaeve and probably Egwene also, uh, being the town healer and somebody who's training under the town healer, mm-hmm. at least knew that... Yeah. Cleaning, keeping a wound clean was a good idea, you know? Right. And this is not... It is like time is a wheel, right? So that theoretically, at some point in the past, people knew about bacteria. Yeah. And I assume bacteria do exist in this fantasy world. <laughs> not, I mean... <laughs> Hard to say. Uh, but anyway, so Egwene is uh, helping Nynaeve out. Uh, she's the, the trainee wisdom, right? The apprentice, something like that? Yeah. 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 Uh, so Rand is... He's still dragging Tam around. Uh, and he doesn't know where to go. You know, he's in shock. He's just a boy. Uh, he takes her to the inn, right? He thinks the mayor. The mayor will know what to do, which is kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's almost like everyone trusts the mayor to tell them what to do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm going to use your interjection real quick to make the point that the inn had almost completely escaped the destruction that had taken half the village. Oh, I'm going to get into that. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Good. This is explained, right? This is fully explained in the text. Hold on. We do not need to introduce any... <laughs> Fan theories. <laughs> I mean, look, so the, so the town's attacked, right? And half the town is burned down. And somehow the inn managed to, manages to escape. I mean, the Trollocs knew a lot about what was going on. They know just where to go. They know, know just who to attack. I mean, could there be some collusion here? Could they have a man there on the was, inside? Well, we'll find out mm. whether that had happened. I mean, I just, I'm just saying, someone someone drew that, uh, that dragon fang on Bran's door. So maybe somebody knew something we don't. Maybe somebody suspected. And speaking of the end, we do finally get um, a more complete answer because we were wondering last time, like, why is there this huge inn in this little backwater out in the middle of nowhere? And we find out who's been staying there. It says they've got half a dozen rooms that were used by the peddlers or people down from Watch Hill or up from Devon Ride. Okay, so yeah. I guess there's people just tra- travel between these towns a lot more than we were assuming. Yeah. Okay, all right. So maybe there's a reason for it to you know to exist. <laughs> other than and it's not the like there's a property that... tax. <laughs> he just has this big place. That's right? good. He owns the place, so I guess it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, he goes there, and, and Bran is like, you know, he doesn't say, "Oh, he's dead. Screw him." He's like, "Oh, well, let's just put him in bed. You know, nothing we can do." Uh, but eventually. What was it, Bran who said it? Oh, yeah, Tom Marilyn is there, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's and Tom Marilyn, patching up his cloak. And Tom Marilyn is like, really subtly hints, you know, you know, Aes Sedai are uh, known to heal people that couldn't be healed otherwise. And Rand's like, what? Aes Sedai? Uh, and they're like, yeah, Moraine is an Aes Sedai, right? And Because she Rand, zorched a bunch of Trollocs last yeah, night. Yeah, because like, yeah, that yeah, she warned us all the Trollocs. They came running out screaming about them, and then, like, she was throwing fireballs and killing them all, and then... And Lan is the, the coolest cool of ever cool town, right? And killed them all with his sword. It seemed like he was in all these places at once. To which Rand is like, that's crazy. It's like, that's another crazy thing that happened. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Aes Sedai are, uh, they're like a, they're like a legend. They're like Trollocs, you know? Mm-hmm. I guess they do believe in them. They're not, they don't think they're fairy stories, but I, it's kind of like a, I don't know, a senator or something. You know they exist. <laughs> And they're important, but you never expect to see one. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a strong mythology attached to them. It, you know, when, when they talk about Aes Sedai, half people half people are talking about you know the the way that they heal people. The other half are talking about them like cursing people. And so it's it's yeah. almost like a not quite a boogeyman exactly, but 
definitely not a, a benevolent figure in, in the yeah. mythology. Yeah, that surprised me to go back, because I didn't remember it being that way. But yeah, people seem really down on the Aes Sedai. Yeah. Which, yeah. yeah. I mean, is it yeah. a sexist thing? Oh, here's these super powerful women? <laughs> or, well, it, it could be that. It, it could be that, you know, the Aes Sedai are always kind of running things behind the scenes, so people, you know, don't necessarily trust them, because mm-hmm. they, they have their own plans, their own machinations. Yeah, they're manipulative. Yeah. yeah. You know what it reminded me of? Rasputin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was gonna say Priscilla Queen of the Desert, but they're those are very similar ideas. <laughs> no, even with Priscilla Queen of the Desert, they're like traveling around and they put on these awesome shows and everybody loves them, but like interpersonally, they kind of hate them and they like you know beat them up and and treat them like crap mm-hmm. and and drive them out of town, even though like they're really cool. Like they're these amazing. They're like the most coolest thing that ever came to town. Yeah, oh, that's a stretch, maybe. <laughs> no, I, I mean I think there's something there. I mean, not not even within these novels there, there's an idea of this you know the mysticism that you fear but you also kind of depend yeah, on the outsider yeah so it's like oh okay they they heal our, our sick but at the same time although they don't they don't do that with uh tom Marilyn, That's who's true. kind of a similar thing right somebody like this this fantastic character that never comes to town and when they do he's awesome but they you know they like him well he doesn't have magic powers yeah, he doesn't. It's true. He does well, a thing. He does do things of. that they can't do. Right? Yeah, but he's, uh, there's he's probably sort of less like of an outsider in that way. But. There's maybe less of an air of mystery attached to him because you know he he's a storyteller and he's a performer and you know he's an entertainer, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have. He's not to be feared because they kind of more they more or less understand how he works. I guess if that makes I guess sense. So yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, Rand works up the nerve to go talk to Moraine uh, and ask if she can help him out, and he finds her. What was she doing? She was like. Oh, she's, she's, she's burning Trollocs. Or, yeah, or she's, she's like hanging out burning yeah. Trollocs, yeah. which is, I guess, a good thing to do. I mean, I don't know. If we don't, she doesn't really say why, does she? Yeah, and, well, to burn them? I mean, what is she going to do with them? Right? Uh-huh. Bury them? Yeah, throw them in a big mass grave. <laughs> I guess burn them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, burning's a good way to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Apparently it smells you terrible. Know, the, the ground is really rocky for mass graves. That's true, they did mention the rocky smell. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she, she agrees to help him, but Rand remembers the stories. Uh, and for, well, first of all, Rand is like scared of her, like almost as scary as the, scared as her as she is as he is of the Trollocs, because mm-hmm. he knows that she's an ace today, which is kind of funny because you know she's this small little person that Rand was kind of intimidated socially by but not afraid of mm-hmm. yeah. but he just has to learn this about her he hasn't even seen her do any magic yet yeah uh, anyway I, she agrees to help him and he thinks you know there, there's always a price with Ace today uh, and I don't know what the price is going to be uh, but she comes to help him anyway and that's the end of that chapter she yeah. says some very cryptic things though mm-hmm. when she runs into when Rand runs into Moraine she says a little more light in the darkness, and then she asks him about his dreams, which oh, yeah, is kind of a right? weird question. It's out of nowhere. Like, how are your dreams, sheep herder? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Lance kind of a jerk, isn't he? He is, right? Yeah, he is. Because he's too cool. And yeah. then he says, and then they're kind of, she's kind of talking to Lan a little bit, and then she says, she tells Lan, don't be so gloomy, we have some reason to celebrate, a small one, but a reason. And we don't, mm-hmm. but we're not told what that is. Yeah. So... She says that from seeing Rand. Yeah, yeah I, I, su- I suspect that she's referring to the fact that he's even alive, right? Because that's what it seems like. He wandered yeah. off in the dark and into the woods, and then, you know, all these Trollocs attacked. She probably had assumed he was dead. Yeah, she had a strange interest in in Rand and Matt that we've seen. Yeah. And now he owes her something for saying that she'll heal his father. Yeah. I remember they have those coins that we still don't really know anything about. Oh yeah. She gave him those strange coins, and I, uh, the reason I remembered is because. 
when Rand finds out he's an Ice, she's an Aes Sedai, he's like, oh man, I wish I'd gotten rid of that coin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Like, that's, <laughs> even the even the dollar she gave me needs to get rid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the next chapter, chapter eight, A Place of Safety, uh, Moraine comes to the end and she heals him, right? And uh, Rand is expecting maybe thunderclaps and shining lights, but really she just kind of sits next to him for a while. Yeah. Uh, with her eyes closed. She has some mysterious magical object called an angriel. Yeah. Angriel, angriel. Angriel. Yeah. Yeah. Angriel. Which, which she doesn't really explain a lot about it. She just says it allows her to, you know, use more of her magic yeah, juice. Yeah, it's like coffee. Yeah, and she says, <laughs> she says another interesting thing, too. She says that she had to, um, because they don't know how to make these anymore... Um, so few remain, and it says she had to ask the Amaryllin seat to allow her to get special permission to bring it Did with you say her. Amaryllin. A- Amaryllin. A M Y R L I N. Yeah, it's Amaryllin seat. Oh, I, I, how do you how do you, how do you? Think? Well, I thought it was Amaryllin, but I, when you said it, I thought you were talking about like somebody from Amarilla. Yes, people yeah. from like, Amarilla. The Amaryllin seat. Yeah. yeah, I mean the, Am- mis- the mystics of Amarilla. Am- Amaryllin, whatever the Amaryllin seat. So she had to ask for permission to bring this incredibly rare unreplaceable magic object so yeah so it i guess she yeah, knew we, shit was gonna go down so we, i guess we knew that there was an age of legends as they call it mm-hmm. where all these great things were possible and i guess they you know everybody lived in manhattan and was fancy but they <laughs> uh it, but that's that's fallen like they're fallen from that point which is interesting because uh tolkien is the one that is always uh talking about how the, the history was great and everything and we're Everything is sort of like a downgrade from the past, right? History was epic and legendary, and modern day is grubby and mundane. It's an interesting difference. It's 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 an interesting differentiation with how we view the world now, right? Mm-hmm. And and this uh, and these books and Tolkien's books too. It's like in the past they had power and technology that we don't know about, and you know mm-hmm. most of us think of it the think of it the opposite way now. It's yeah, like right. The future is that, that's kind of a, a a trope of fantasy, right? Yeah. Is that the 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 elderlings like. The equivalent, the equivalent of the ancient Romans, were had it much better off than we did forever, right? Yeah, uh, which I think maybe, we would all agree it's not the case. Yeah, it's completely not the case in real life. Yeah, although there was, you know, the Dark Ages. I think you could probably argue that they may have had it worse for a good century or two. That's true. Uh, you know, and that that learning had ceased when the when the Roman Empire lost its power. Uh, but uh, and maybe maybe it's just because they're writing from that. From the perspective of a time period like that, you know, a low point in history. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's interesting because uh, Robert Jordan is always talking about how time is cyclical, but that doesn't necessarily... Yeah. If a time is cyclical, then that means things need to decline as well as go up, right? And mm-hmm. we're in like a down period mm-hmm. where the, the wizards are weak now and the, the they don't have any of their special gadgets and, and the nations are weak and there's just not a whole lot of grandeur. There's not a whole lot of greatness. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's also interesting because... You had mentioned previously how I think I think last episode you talked a little bit about the idea of history versus mythology and how they they don't differentiate between the two. Yeah, and it's 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 kind of cool because in a way they have hard evidence of 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 that time of legends, right? So in the, in the form of these angreals and these these artifacts that 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 you know lend credence to the 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 ideas of this ancient grandeur, it's like that that allows them to say, yeah. okay, yeah. Those, those stories could be true. You know, that, that could be history, not Absolutely. myth. And jumping back a little bit to what you were saying about history, the uh, National Council for the Social Studies, um, <laughs> wait, 
Which the, is, is that in the books or is that? No, this is, this is in, in I don't remember reading anyway, the part. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this big group that looks at how social studies is taught in the U.S. And of course, history is a huge part of that. And they have what they call these 10 thematic strands. And two of those strands are these notions throughout history of continuity and change mm. and progress and decline. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just a really random interjection. In no, there, that, that is but. interesting because clearly Robert Jordan has an opinion about that. Yeah. Right. He, he sees it as sort of a mixture of both, right? And if he went through the Vietnam War, he definitely saw those periods of decline. Yeah, right. Yeah. So maybe the problem is that we exist now in a, in a period of either at a peak or at a, in a period of, of you know, ascent, uh, ascension. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in 20 yeah. years, maybe people are going to look back and be like, man, remember back when we had in the internet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my parents told me tales of the internet. They said you could talk to a person in another room. <laughs> or uh, look up cat pictures with a <laughs> click of a button. Yeah, right. An infinite variety of cats. Uh, yeah, so Moraine uh, gets to work healing Lan, which is, seems to be more of a meditation Tam. thing. Yeah, healing yeah. Tam. Right. Uh, and but Lan gets interested in Rand's sword. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says that's a nice sword. Where'd you get that? And he's like, Oh, I don't know. My dad gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, It's got a heron mark on it. That's a big deal. And, and Rand's like, Oh, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Whatever. It's just a sword. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I use it to shave. <laughs> uh, but Rand, Lan clearly. Yeah, uh, Rand says, "Well, my dad gave got me this this sword. It's my dad's sword." And and Lan is like, "Very impressed. That's a big deal." So there's a lot more going on with Tam than we think he is. Some of that stuff he was ranting about. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, the, there's it's all part of this backstory of Tam that we don't really know yet. Yeah, I mean, Lan says that's the I think he says the sword the the emblem of a sword master. So it's like, okay, right. whoa, is Tam? Yeah. So is Tam a sword master? Lan doesn't have an emblem like that on his sword. That's true. Yeah. He's like a sword. Crappy. Yeah. It's the opposite of master. Uh, loser. A sword loser. A sword loser. Get it? Sword yeah, loser. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it's interesting because if if we accept that Tam might there might be more to Tam than than what we know, then it makes sense that he was able to hold off that army of Trollocs at their yeah, house, right? Yeah, up. Yeah, because yeah. that came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. He's like, by the way, I've got this sword, and then the Trollocs attack, and he starts like killing them by the. Yeah, by the pair. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember thinking at the time, man, Tam's doing pretty well against these like these horrible creatures of legend, but it kind of makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, although I think he, well, yeah, yeah, he'll talk a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, Moraine uh, finishes what she's working on at that point, uh, and she tells Rand, among other things, that 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 strange Raven was a spy of the Dark One, and that she should have figured that this was going to happen, right? If she'd known, right, that there, there'd be something that this was going to happen, she'd been able to do something. And that the Dark One actually uses carrion eaters as his spies, probably because they're very on brand for him. Yeah, he's like he could use anything, but it's yeah, way cooler. Or whatever. Yeah, no, no, no. that's what. No, no, ravens and Ra- like ravens rats and like yeah, yeah. hyenas. I assume, yeah, I assume vultures. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do they have hyenas in this? I don't think we. I don't think we've heard anything about hyenas at this point. No, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, and she also points out that the reason. She explains why Tam is so sick from such a shallow wound is because Trolloc blades are sometimes just tainted the way they come out of the forges of Shile Gull. Uh, Wait, Shile Gull... <laughs> sorry, I was, I was looking at the map. Shile Gull in where? In the Blight? 
No, it's uh, the Mountains of Doom. Oh, the Mountains of Doom. With an H. <laughs> with an H? Yeah, not, yeah, not to be confused with Mount, Mount Doom. <laughs> <laughs> the Mountains of Doom, not Mount Doom. Yeah, totally different. Yeah, like, totally it's kind of silly to even talk about them the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mountains of Doom. <laughs> Probably going to find it in the old tongue that means, I don't know, cake or something like that. But they just it sounds really cool. It sounds really yeah. cool, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Lan... Explains also that uh, the the Black Rider was a Miradral, uh, which is really freaks Rand out. Miradral are are much more dangerous than even Trollocs are. Yeah, they're twenty uh, feet tall and breathe fire. And <laughs> yeah, stuff. that's what that's what uh, Rand thinks. Because right. I think they call them Fades, right? Yeah, they have a bunch of different names, which yeah. is you know part of Jordan's kind of faux historical uh, smear he gives to everything. I actually kind of like that, where, where Land's talking about different regions have different words that all mean the same thing. Right, yeah, yeah. Cause different cultures. They call them the, but they're all the same thing, right? Yeah. That's that's sort of the thing. Yeah, the Fades or the Eyeless, or there's one other one. Shadow something or another. Shadow Man. Shadow Man, that's right. <laughs> so he's a Fade, uh, a Mirdral, and they use those terms interchangeably. And the Mirdral, the wind, wind doesn't touch his cloak, and he doesn't have any eyes, but he can see like a hawk and... They're really hard to kill because they have the Dark One's own luck, which I, I think is just like, you know, plus one to critical or something. Like <laughs> High AC, you know, mm-hmm. just like glancing. Yeah, yeah and uh, and Lan is super impressed that Rand killed a Trolloc, which by by which impressed means the hard stony planes of his face shifted slightly. Yeah. Which I think is almost word for word the description. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and the, what they both tell Rand is that the Murdral was in charge of the Trollocs, and it was after specific people, specifically. Rand, Matt, and Perrin. Before we get into that, they talked a little bit about where the Midral... Uh, this is the part where they describe where the Midral come from, right? Or how they how they were made. Yeah, they're, they're Trollocs, but sometimes Trollocs, when they're made, they just come out like Mirdral. Yeah, they, they mentioned that... Well, yeah, that's what they say, right? Yeah, they were saying that in the... We might have come to, out from where? Half-man, they call them half-men. Yeah, half-men, because uh, when they were first making Trollocs, they were combining humans in all these horrible ways. And then the ones that came out a little more human-y, for whatever reason, are are mirror draw. There right. it is, yeah. Yeah. Fades are Trollocs spawn throwbacks almost to the human stock. The Dreadlords used to mm-hmm. make the Trollocs almost, but if the human strain is made stronger, so is the taint that twists the Trollocs. And so you get Halfman. Yeah. So so they're so they they're are like, the same they're extra Trollocs. Yeah, they're, or they're extra human y Trollocs, but as a result they gain all the, the taint in them, the Dark Lord's yeah. power is stronger. And they get this very specific and, and literary set of powers. Yeah. And the cloak that doesn't like, <laughs> isn't disturbed by wind. Yeah. A cloak that it I guess that's they're not they can't be born that way, right? Someone's gotta make those cloaks, right? Uh, I mean, <laughs> do they make them that way or intentionally, or if you attach any Cloak to a mirror draw. Right, if they took Tom Marilyn's like fancy cloak, yeah, with all the colors would not be affected by the wind. So, are you saying you're asking if they have bespoke cloaks? <laughs> you know, I, I want. There's got to be a practical application for that, right? I mean, like when they describe it, oh, he has a cloak that's not disturbed disturbed by wind. That doesn't seem particularly useful, but like maybe, maybe there's... it means like they don't. Maybe they can hide better that way because uh. the, the wind doesn't ruffle them. Also, they can be really still. Did, did we did we actually find out like in one of the very beginning chapters when they're initially walking to Eamon's Field um, that he didn't leave any footprints behind? That's right. They went and looked, and he didn't leave any footprints. Yeah. So that was and and when the when the Mirdral came back to look for him in his little trap on the patrol, yeah, uh, he didn't make any noise. Okay. Mm, so, so maybe they don't actually touch the ground. So their horses don't touch the ground? <laughs> is it is it any horse? Is it a special is horse that mirror draw gets? As soon as Robert... they attach a horse to a mirror draw, does it suddenly start touching the ground? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I 
imagining a horse just like floating a few inches above. Okay, I'll say it. none of this follows to me. It doesn't make any sense why the mirror draw has these powers. No, it's just to be creepy, and he, I think he was just he was just writing things that he thought were creepy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's creepy. It's spooky it power. Yeah. And, and to you know, to that point, it could actually be the intent, right? I mean, a lot of their stuff is is design. A lot of the things about a mirror draw are designed to be off putting, and and therefore when you're fighting them, it's like you're. You f- you're filled with this fear, and it makes you a less effective fighter. You know, it just could be yeah, all part it's, of the it's, package. It's like it's not just how scary they are; it's like a actual fear effect that they're having on people. Right. Well, also, there it's all these things are so like literally unnatural, as of not of nature, that define the laws of nature. Mm, so, yeah. and that's a good counter to this very pastoral bucolic environment oh, that we're point. first introduced yeah. to. Yeah. yeah, like the farm. That's that's about as grounded as you grounded as you can get like yeah. in this this kind of farm town with these hardy folk. Yeah. And there's this guy that's breaking the rules. Yeah, not affected by the elements or apparently gravity. <laughs> right. It emphasizes how out of place he is in in the mm-hmm. two rivers. Yeah. Right, yeah. Although he sounds pretty pretty cool. Yeah. In my in my death metal band. Yeah, heck yeah. Uh yeah, and so anyway, the mirror draw is after is in charge of the Trollocs, and and it's really weird that there are so many Trollocs here in Emmons Field because they've never seen that many Trollocs this far south of the Blight. Mm-hmm. They mentioned so, that it's a whole fist of them, which I guess yeah, is when we start learning it's a about military unit, I guess, like yeah. a company or a battalion. Yeah, or well, they say there's seven different bands of Trollocs too, so they're having like a little Trolloc reunion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the different tribes. Or whatever. <laughs> they're going through like <laughs> picking the medals off of the. Yeah, well, yeah, Land recognizes is, them by their. Insignia. Yeah, mm-hmm. so clearly so, he's experienced with Trollocs. Yeah, himself. he's an expert. Yeah, and, and they mentioned there's over a hundred of them that came. I think. Yeah, I guess maybe that's a fist. What's that like a company? I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, which is that's a lot, right? That's a lot of people to move across 600 leagues. They say of 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 populated country. Yeah, if you look at the map, they are not at all close to the the northern lands. I guess where the yeah, the and there's all is. kinds of cities and stuff in the way and rivers. Yeah, which apparently they have a lot of trouble with rivers. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, actually, they they mentioned that yeah. they're an effective barrier. That's a that's a thing, though, right? Yeah. What? Yeah. R- well, running water. Yeah. Yeah, it totally is. It's a, a trope in a lot of mythology mm-hmm. that uh, evil things have tr- can't cross running water or stymied yeah. by them. Right. Uh, so yeah, so they're after boys exactly Rand's age, and it turns out that Rand, Matt, and Perrin were all born within weeks of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're after one of them or all of them. So we've got uh, and they point that they point out that that's why some of the houses in the village were standing and some of them were burned is because the Trollocs it wasn't an accident mm-hmm. yeah the Trollocs were, were looking for somebody yeah so you start kind of wondering about like a prophecy going on here like do we have a Harry Potter Neville Longbottom thing going on here like yeah. they were born <laughs> at the same at the end of the month together because Rand is like well what about these two guys this one was born eight months before me and this one was born ten months after me or something yeah. she says no the three of you were born with yeah, there's a very close enough there's a yeah. very important and yet somewhat arbitrary <laughs> range in which those <laughs> yeah. Would, right yeah how did they know when Rand was born I mean like they, they're saying all this but if Rand was found as a baby I mean I'm guessing we don't it's know a when he was born right there's got to be a prophecy in there oh and I'm just saying how do how does she know that how they, does she know how old Rand is? Yeah. She asked, remember? Yeah, but he doesn't know. Not not really, right? He knows how old. He knows what his birthday is. I mean, does if he was savage. born at the battle, like, <laughs> well, he was, was sure. he? Well, he doesn't know that, though, right? But, okay. So, oh, that's a good point, then, because Tam could have totally just, like, randomly guessed me, like, oh, right. this baby that, looks like he's two months old or that, Yeah, that's my point. Like, when Rand yeah. found, when Brand, Brand, not Rand, Tam found him on the battlefield, he wasn't, like, literally coming out of his mother's womb, right? So, I mean, like... I thought, 
I thought, I thought he had he like was. literally been born on the battlefield. Like, That's what like I he thought. like he just got squirted out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well that I guess that helps. Then then, then he knows his yeah. birthday. But yeah. really, like who gives birth on a battlefield? That's a little strange. The Bad ale. asses. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's Sometimes the women fight with the men with oh. the ale. Oh, you're right. The That's horde of Blackfield ale. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I think the pronunciation is yeah, and that uh, it's that's ail or something like that. It's in the back. I don't know. It's another one that's in the back. What weird. Yeah. I like ale and lager. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that, I, I'll say in passing, that, that story that Tam told of like that, you know, fevered recollection of the, the war, first of all, that's a really well narrated fever dream. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's telling but, it with great detail. And second of all, it's really cool. Like, I think that, that and that one of the other uh, stories that somebody's going to tell in one of the subsequent chapters. I think are a great example of this kind of epic history uh, invading this pastoral life of theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's talking about, you know, the 500 years, like this 500 year grudge or something that the ale were holding against this person, which started this huge war, and and it, it it's it's real history, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's it's very uh, it's very intrusive to the lives of these these bucolic bumpkins. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, back in the room, I, I noticed this. Uh, Rand asks, why us, right? And Moraine, I'll tell you, knows why, right? Well, she's she there for a reason, for right? Like, reason. She didn't just come here for like a, a farm country yeah. vacation, right? But what I she mean... says is, that is a question that has no answer in the two rivers. See, Aes Sedai don't lie, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. At all. Yeah, the, I, we, we haven't learned about that, but there's like a, th- there's like a, 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 they can't lie or something, right? There's a thing about that? Yeah, they can't. Yeah. Uh, which, but the, the what what the Rand's what the people have told Rand so far is that Aes Sedai never lie, but the truth they tell you is not always the truth you think it is. They mm-hmm. twist words, right. and this is a case of that, right? He says why, and she says that is a question that has no answer in the two rivers. Yep. And he, t- of course, he takes away from that, like I don't know, but what she's saying is, nobody, I know. Nobody <laughs> here knows. Nobody that. here knows that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't know. That's yep. what she's saying. Uh, and so that's. That's how they lie without lying, which is a big theme with Aes Sedai in these whole books. And she says, in one of you, or all three, there is something the Dark One fears. Uh, which is super vague, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But, that's, but that's true, right? Technically that's true. Uh, so she'd make a good politician. Yeah. Uh, and she informs Rand to uh, his dismay that he, Matt, and Perrin have to leave the town right now. Yeah. And they have to go to Tarvalon, where all the Aes Sedai live. Uh, to protect them from the Dark One. Yeah, yeah it, I, it, and and to that point, she also says, uh, maybe we can find out why they want you. And this is like, this is, again, this, this kind of manipulation thing. She's like, well, yeah. if we go to Tarvalon, maybe you can find out the answer, which she knows yeah, the she's answer. she's from Tarvalon. Yeah, right? She knows she all this stuff. It's just like... Yeah, exactly. An, another, a, a way to get him to go where she needs him to go. Yeah, so she just, I mean, if you never lie, like maybe she's just really good at this. You know, she talks this way all the time. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, she, it it's uh it's really interesting reading her text and looking for the subtext because this isn't the only place that happens. There are several points where she says things that are that sound a little off, and if you look, list, if you really kind of pick at the words, you see that she's getting at something without getting at it. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. What you notice is well, she didn't just say yes or no on yeah. that one, and she never just says yes or no, right? right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of an interesting aspect of Moraine's character. Uh, because so far, we don't know her motivations at all. We know that she fought the Trollocs. Yeah. Uh, and we also know that she uses a bunch of weasel words when she talks. Like mm-hmm. She never comes straight out and, and kind of says where she's coming from. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, that's that's kind of, 
I, I think of her as the Gandalf character, but Gandalf would just say, I'm not going to tell you that because you're a stupid hobbit, you know? <laughs> right. But Moraine is, is much more manipulative than that. And even if it, we, even if she's a good guy, she, it still like, rubs, rubs me, the reader, the wrong way that she's never straightforward. I, I, I would say that listening to the mythology of the Aes Sedai, thinking them as, as, as any kind of good guys is, is probably wrong, right? They're, I, I would say they're not good or bad. They're just, they have their own thing that they're trying to do and they'll do whatever they need to get it done, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even call them good exactly. They're just... Yeah. Complex. Complex, yeah. Right. Uh, well, she convinces Rand that they've got to leave and they've got to go to Tarvalon. Yep. And there's an interesting part there, too, because Lan obviously knows a lot more about what's going on than we think, because eventually Rand, they go back and forth a little bit, and Rand finally agrees that they need to leave. And he says, and, and it says, he thought he heard Lan give a sigh of relief. He looked at the warder curiously, but Lan's face was as expressionless as ever. So Lan definitely has a clue that there's something huge happening there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think in, in this chapter or soon after they mentioned that you should if you tell a warder anything you should assume you're telling the Aes Sedai as well because they're mm-hmm. they're bonded they're you know yeah the same person basically super tight. <laughs> yeah they're right. friend, they're I don't super think friends. they actually transfer words between each other no but uh, but they are closer than like they're magically close to each other yeah the, the, he is loyal to her to the point that he'll like there is no he wouldn't defy her in any way so yeah. another idea of this interesting like half and half comparison we have we have the light in the dark and in this case we have the I said I woman and the warder man the, yeah, yeah. No, that's actually a really good uh, good point because it's coming back to this idea of different kinds of strength yeah you have the warder who's like the super strong like oh I'm, I'm good at fighting with swords and the you know Moraine who's Whose powers her like wisdom and cunning, mm-hmm. which are like the woman powers, I guess, you know, for Robert Jordan, <laughs> and right? Fireballs. And yeah. fireballs. Well, also the fireballs, yeah. yeah. All right. Ball lightning, I think. <laughs> is that what it, is yeah. that what she used? Yeah, she called ball lightning down from a clear sky. Do they know what ball lightning is? I don't know what ball lightning is. I mean, I kind of do, but not really. I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, this, at, at one point in one of these chapters, Rand thinks something, uh, like he has a memory that almost comes to him, but then it, it escapes his mind like Quicksilver, and I thought like. Does Rand know what Quicksilver is? Because Quicksilver is mercury, and it's actually not very quick. They just call it Quicksilver quick because it's like silver, but it's liquid. Yeah. Right? That doesn't make any sense. When would he have ever seen it, right? Yeah, right? I mean, haberdashers used it. Maybe in their village they had a haberdasher or something. One of the coplins, that's why they go so crazy or whatever. Yeah, but going back to that half and half, uh, another thing is the warder uses steel and... Maureen uses lightning, which which is natural. So that's another interesting one too: the man-made versus the natural. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So you don't say she's like a force of nature in a way. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's got to get her magic powers from somewhere. Yeah, the one true source. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So chapter nine: Tellings of the Wheel. It's dream time. Yeah. This was a weird chapter. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, that Rand, it's immediately a dream, and it's not immediately clear that it's a dream. Uh, so Rand is running through a black wasteland, uh, black and bleak. Uh, he's he's running. It, it looks there's everything's dead. It's super crappy. He's really scared of who he's running from, uh, and he sees a really scary mountain. And then a really scary figure scares him, uh, and he he says something about Shaitan, right? Light burn you, Shaitan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. So he light consume the, you, Shaitan. Yeah, light consume you. And this, and this is where he starts having a memory, like, like, like I almost remember this place, but I don't quite, mm-hmm. you know. And it's a, it's a nightmare place, right? It's, it's dead, 
barren wasteland like the like Mars, uh, and he's looking down off this great cliff on this foggy valley, and there's these lights uh, like red glows burning up through the the fog, and he sees this giant mountain in front of him, and he almost gets caught up with, by this uh, this figure that is wearing a cloak and is really like his face is like the death. first thing to describe about him is the cloak which is <laughs> the color of dried blood they're really into cloaks Rand's like oh, man he's almost got me I better check out his cloak <laughs> every time you gotta, gotta tell us about that cloak the first yeah. thing Rand notices about anyone <laughs> uh, right and so he, he he's scared of the figure and he falls off the cliff but before he hits the ground he's in another place and he's next to another mountain only this is like a normal mountain uh, and there's a beautiful city right next to it. Uh, but all of a sudden, somebody's chasing him again. And so he's running away. And right before the pursuer is about to get him, he teleports again, I guess, into, uh, in, into the city. And the city is amazing. It's beautiful. All the people are wonderful, wearing every color of cloak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a variety of rainbow-colored cloaks. <laughs> yeah, and there's all kinds of music and sound. It's like a festival. Uh, and the people, the city is all sort of manipulating him to move towards this tower, this white tower. Yeah, he, th- he thinks about going somewhere else, and then the people seem like they're really sad that he's going yeah. somewhere else. And he goes for a tower, like, oh, yeah, 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 again. again. Uh, and all these girls are dancing with him. And, like, he, he, tur- he tries to turn down a few different roads, but the tower is always at the end of the road, yeah. which is super freaky. But finally he agrees, okay, I'll go to the tower. And I was going to go there anyway. Yeah. And he finally goes to the tower, and there's a mirror draw in there. <gasps> Even though, okay, can we can we all agree that the tower is probably Tarvalon because they describe it as the White Tower, and then in the stream he's at the White so Tower. So that's what right. I was wondering. Like that was my initial read. Uh, I think it, I thought it was Tarvalon, but now I'm not sure because, well, I mean this is this happens in the next chapter. But they start talking about the place that used to be there, and it's like I wonder if this is like Menetherin. Is he seeing like is he seeing his ancestral past or is he seeing oh, his future? Oh, interesting. See, I thought well, it was Tarvalon, and if I can just make yeah. one point here, mm-hmm. real quick. Sure. So a tower is a very phallic object, That's right? That's true. Yeah. Okay, I don't but get it. no, could you explain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's giant, giant white penis. Yeah, exactly. A giant yeah. white penis here. But the thing is, I want you to listen. This is the description they give of this tower, which is, of course, the home of the Ace Day, these incredibly powerful women. Mm-hmm. This is how Robert Jordan describes the tower. The White Tower rose from a great palace of pale marble, sculpted rather than built, curving walls and swelling domes and delicate spires fingering the sky. Mm. Now, there's no equivalent to phallic, I guess maybe womic. <laughs> yonic. Yonic. Yeah. Okay, there is an equivalent. Yeah. Yonic. Fingering the sky. So this is a very, I feel like this is a very yonic description. So there's and a... it's also still, they say it's very natural, sculpted rather than built. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting little detail for him to put in there if we are talking about Tarvalon. Yeah, you know, yeah. it might be Tarvalon. But... Uh, I... It is. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> no spoiler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the, the giveaways is that it's right next to a, a mountain standing by itself. A lonely mountain, but they don't call it that. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's where Tar- Tarvalon is next to a, a mountain standing by itself. So it was Menethrin. No, it was ne- it was in the it was in the mountains of the the mountains of mist. Yeah, which saying. were mountains. Many oh, mountains. oh, I see. Yeah, I see. That's right. They, they do mention it's a single tall mountain, a lonely mountain, if you will, uh, as opposed <laughs> that's to what they call it. Yeah, yeah. And I can tell you what they call it, but uh, no, spoilers. no spoilers. Yeah, that's how we do it. Uh, anyway, Rand doesn't really know this, right? He knows about the White Tower, but he doesn't. I don't think he knows it. He wouldn't know by description Tarvalon. Mm. And this city is also kind of ridiculously fancy. Even even like a big city like Tarvalon in this world, it's still full of a lot of poor people, and it's not that big, and and it's not that amazing. This city seems to be like embellished, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe it's a. 
uh, really, what's the word? A really exaggerated, positive view. Utopia. You uh, yeah, utopian view of yeah. of uh, Tarvalon. Yeah. Uh, like a dream, a dream version of Tarvalon. Uh, but the mirror dwells right there inside of it. Although, uh, yeah. So that's maybe that dream might be an actual legitimate dream that's so not got, sent to him by dark forces. Mm. Or uh, yeah, some sort of Freddy Krueger thing going on here at the mirror dwell. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, is this a dream trap? Are they? Are they is, is it? Is it foreshadowing, or is it like the dark one is like trying to like unclear at this point his, mm-hmm. his will? But, but Rand definitely doesn't think like that was a normal dream that I just had. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because you know. <laughs> Uh, Moraine j- did just ask about his dreams. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So she... so there's something there's something meaningful in these dream in these dreams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the one about Tarvalon, I'm guessing, just means he's scared of going to Tarvalon because that's where bad people theoretically live. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't know what's going to happen to to him. Uh, but I think they do mention the gentling or something like that that the Aes Sedai do. I think they mentioned that previously when they're just talking about like what they had heard oh about yeah that's dragons. what they do to false dragons yeah they so gentle them gentle them which we don't know what that means but it doesn't sound like a lot of fun yeah uh right so Rand wakes up in fright he's still in the uh the in room with his father uh and his father is is better right still weak and still asleep but is no longer feverish uh and apparently like <laughs> the the food has been refreshed because the food is still hot and Rand eats a bunch of food and like his father's been stripped, and, like, the furniture's been moved around, and some blankets that have it. Like, the whole team of people has been in there while he's sleeping. And, and, like, how often? I mean, like, depending on how long he's been asleep, if that broth is still warm. Well, she, it's like, nighttime when, he's, when he wakes up, and he, he came in there, like, at the break of day. He got to town. So it's been, like, hours. I wonder how many times she's refreshed that broth in there. Yeah. <laughs> Comes in every, like, hour or so to swap out the broth. I mean, yeah. that's really nice, but, you know. Uh, right. So he, he says goodbye to Tam, uh, and he, he tells Tam... Uh, the whole story. He tells Tam what's up. Tam is just barely awake, you know. Uh, he's very weak, and he tells him that, you know, the Thralogs were here to get me, and I've got to go, and Tam, surprisingly, is like, yep, sounds like you got to go. Uh, he doesn't... He acts very mature about it. He doesn't sort of act like I expected him to, which is... Uh, like, no, don't go with that. No, I said I... He, she's lying. I don't, I don't want to believe this, you know? Yeah, definitely not... how the... Rand acts. Yeah, not the... Not the... the reaction you would expect from someone who's spent their whole life in two rivers which makes sense i mean we know yeah. that he's had a life outside of it but it makes you wonder like what's his yeah. experience that he's like oh okay yeah go with right. her she's, she's cool so it's kind of a sad scene you know rand's never been apart from his father uh but now he's got to leave all of a sudden in the middle of the night yeah they, they he see i it seems like he's he's more okay with it than i would expect though because they, they've they've kind of relied on each other their whole lives they they, they live out in that farm just the two of them it's just yeah. it's true. Maybe Tam will finally get married. Yeah, right. <laughs> Make some new sons. Uh, Whoa, well, yeah, yeah. His first son. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, Rand heads downstairs, uh, where there's a mob scene going on. Uh, and earlier, when when Rand came to the inn, the dragon's fang had been carved on the door of the inn, which is a symbol, I guess, of you know, you put on the door of somebody you think is evil. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you're, you're evil. I put the dragon's fang on your door to publicly shame you. Yeah, it could be a, like a dark friend or something like that. Yeah, a dark friend or, or an Aes Sedai. Yeah. Which I guess the in the public imagination, Aes Sedai and dark friend are the same thing or yeah. similar. Yeah, there, there's, there's, less, yeah. there's less of a line drawn than... You know. Right, yeah. And so they, they did that, but and now there's an angry mob out there confronting uh, outside the inn saying, you know, you should... Let's get rid of the Aes Sedai. The Aes Sedai should leave town. They're evil. Screw them. 
which is pretty ungrateful, considering that this is like less than 24 hours after this, she saved the town with her ball lightning. This felt like a ridiculous stretch to me, and I and I understand that it's a useful plot device, but like, I mean, she did just save, literally save their village, and then goes around healing people, and they're like, yeah. yeah. See, I don't find it that un- unsurprising, though, because they're blaming her for bringing them in the first place, which makes sense to me if you're a simple country folk, mm-hmm. and the supernatural person shows up, and then out literally hours later... You, a bunch of other supernatural creatures that you never thought were even real or you never thought you'd see in your entire yeah. life show up. I mean, that's not did, coincidental to me. She didn't tell him she was an Aes Sedai, right? Right. Yeah. She was kind of traveling under a false pretense. Yeah. I, I feel like I would buy, like, them approaching her and saying, look, we know you did these nice things for us, but we really need you to leave because we're not prepared to deal with this, like, mythology shit, you know? Mm-hmm. I would buy that. But, like, an angry mob coming with, like... Torches and, and yeah. literal torches and pitchforks. And they were they were congars and coplins. Yeah, well, I mean those guys like who are all fuck those guys. I mean, yeah, they were the guys. trash can people with their <laughs> trash can lives. Yeah, <laughs> who can even right. tell the difference between them? <laughs> yeah, so so the, they're outside the inn and it, they're getting pretty rowdy. But then the mayor and the blacksmith come out yeah. uh, and start trying to kind of bully them down. You know, what are you doing? You know, she healed your guy and, you know, made these same arguments that we're making right now. Right. And they're all like, oh, yeah, yeah, she did heal my, my son's broken leg. <laughs> like so, less than 12 hours yeah, ago. So that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, my, my kid wouldn't be walking if she hadn't done that thing. Yeah, so it's implied that there's a few, there's one or two rabble-rousers and all, the rest of these people are just dumb. Mm, yeah. Uh, or dumb and scared, right? I'd be scared, you know. Yeah. And I... And, I find it a little plausible because I know that people, when they're scared and when they don't know what's going on, people do make uh, hasty decisions, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. People aren't always as reasonable as you'd, you'd want them to be. Uh, but anyway, it, it, it seems to be coming to some kind of uh, bad conclusion. Uh, and the mayor, of course, is carrying a giant mallet. and uh, <laughs> A mall. A mall. <laughs> that he uh, uses for driving spigots, I guess. Uh, he drives a lot of spigots. Yeah, when I, when I hear they mall... They go through I, a lot of ale at this Like, that's a really... Like, to, in my mind, a mall is a really big hammer. Is that really, like... Well, imagine... I think that when they talk about casks, uh, some of those casks are, like, 12 feet deep. Yeah. They're, they're giant. They're taller than a man. So, that's a good point. So a spigot is, like, a real... I'm making a big swinging motion, listeners. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's a Radio visual. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, the blacksmith is just just stretches to threaten them with yeah. his big muscly arms. <laughs> yeah. And like he he closes his hands, then his knuckles start popping. Which I was, <laughs> yeah, like as I was reading this, I was trying to do that. I was like, that is that's, that's not how that do. works. I don't think. Yeah, like yeah. maybe he has arthritis. Like maybe you should oh. like look into those knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you ask Miranda to take a look yeah, at his knuckles. Yeah. Whenever I close my fist, they make these horrible popping sounds. <laughs> I'm used to it, but I mean, like, could you do something about it? Yeah, but then Moraine comes out. Yeah. Uh, and. In, in her inimitable way, uh, she settles the situation down by shooting fire out of her staff and lecturing them. She, like, Darth Mauls it up. She's like, yeah, double yeah. lightsabers, you know, swinging her. Yeah, but what she does is she actually tells them, she's like, weep for the lost blood of Manetherin, and she tells them this epic history uh, that she claims is the history of their people that they didn't even know existed. Uh, and she tells this this uh, real high fantasy story about the, the, the red flag of Manetherin. Uh, which was a city in the mountains of mist that, and every, they were super noble. And you know, Amon, the the king, Amon Alkar Althorin, uh, and Elaria, Elia, something. Eldrin. 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 And Eldrin, I something. Eldrin. Yeah. Amon was the coolest and wisest guy, uh, and Adrian was like the prettiest and nicest person. Yeah. Uh, and it was, and everywhere during the Trolloc Wars, everywhere the Trollocs were, there was the red flag of Manetherin, and Manetherin came and helped everybody. But then when they were off in a battle, the Trollocs snuck behind them and, and started 
going for the city of Minetherin to destroy it. Uh, you know, cut off the tree at the root. And uh, they made this, you know, dramatic march to get back to their city. Uh, and there was this, la- this apocalyptic battle between them and the Trollocs. And they sent riders for help from all of their allies. But their allies never came. Yeah. Uh, and so there was this huge last stand effort. And then eventually... They, they told all the people of Minetherin to flee because the army couldn't stand, but instead the people went and they all fought with their pitchforks and mauls and their crackling knuckles. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, they, I dug this story, actually. I really... Yeah, it was... It it's was, a good story. And yeah. it's like... I think it works because I think that it, the effect it has when Maureen's telling it on the people is the effect that it had on me when I was reading it because there's, there's this kind of small-scale story going on and then like all of a sudden, boom, fireworks. There's this huge, epic-scale story going on. Uh, and everybody's enthralled by it, partly maybe because she's shooting fire out of her stick. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool. I, I mean, listen to people when fire comes out of their at stick. At the time I was thinking, like, was that really necessary? But maybe it was. I mean, maybe yeah. I mean, maybe it just got their attention, you know? Yeah. So anyway, the, the, the there's this epic last battle with all the people of Minethrin fighting, and they all die. Uh, and then Eldreen, who I guess could channel, was a Aes Sedai or maybe just a channeler of some kind? Mm-hmm. I, maybe, I think we get the impression that maybe it wasn't just Aes Sedai in the Age of Legends that could do This was stuff. the Trolloc Wars, which was not the Age of Legends. Oh, uh, when was the Trolloc Wars? Uh, much more recently. Okay. But it went on for, it was a long war, right? Like they it, was said it was a big thing, a big deal. I think they were saying it was like a couple hundred yeah, years. Yeah, they, they haven't made it 100% clear yet in the books, but the Trolloc Wars were, I think... On the order of a thousand years ago, and the Age of Legends was on the order of two thousand years ago. And the Dreadlords are from the Trolloc Wars. For nearly two centuries, the Trolloc Wars had ravaged. Yeah, so, so the Trolloc so Wars were a, a big, a big yeah. thing that happened, but that's yeah. not that's not the Age of Legends. Anyway. Right, fair mm-hmm. enough. Uh, and so she channels all the one power and uses it to punish all the Dreadlords and kill them where they stand. And every like every single person that attacked Minetherin died. But the Dreadlords specifically, I thought that was really interesting. Like I didn't realize that this this power could be used so precisely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, all every single Dreadlord and Commander just burst into flames. Yeah, and, and she says specifically, like, it, it chased them all down wherever they hid, you know, yeah. no matter what. Uh, but it was so powerful for her that she burned herself and also burned the city down, like, melted the whole city, and so it's completely gone. Yeah. Uh, and that there were a few stragglers left over, but they all got killed by allies of Minetherin, except Minetherin was completely gone, and then there was just a bunch of dirt farmers living there who are the blood of Minetherin, and they descended into these people who are now treating Moraine badly. Yeah. You get a, you get a, an impression another impression here for just how much power can be wielded using the the one power, but it's like clearly a very dangerous force. I mean, we had the we had our prologue guy who essentially nuked his city, and then we have this this woman who channeled too much of the one power and destroyed this this glorious yeah, city right. of Netherin. Yeah, that's a common theme: is that there the power has this cost, and if you overdo, it, you can use power, and there's no upper limit on it. If you, but if you go too far, you are destroyed. Yeah, and, and not like in a, in a small way. It seems like it's a catastrophic event whenever that happens. Yeah, yeah. and both times it was done because uh, because the person that they loved was destroyed. That's yeah, true. That's true. Yeah, yeah it's a, a vengeance for for love lost kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a common theme. Yeah. So this is a cool story. Yeah, yeah. totally I, into it. I, I ate that one up. I loved it. And what uh, that impresses everybody, uh, and they all basically say, you know, you're right. You did heal my kids broken back. <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh, maybe I shouldn't run you out of town. And Except all... for the Coplins, they were still like scowling, but they're like, "Well, you know, we're yeah, Coplins. Whatever. What are we gonna do?" Yeah. yeah, of course they're like they weren't attacked, right? They so they the Coplins. I know what they they have no vested interest. They're just like making trouble. I think. Yeah. Uh, so they yeah. So they leave. Uh, one thing I want to point out is that Amon the king. That's Amon's field. 
That's the deriv- derivation of his name. Oh yeah. And this is the field, right? Amon's field. This is, is the, the battle. Is the battlefield, right? Yeah. So this is where the the, the thing. Like they call the uh, and his, his name is Amon Alkar Al Thorin, like Tam Al Thor, oh, maybe Al Thor is the deriv- derivation of that, maybe. Uh, but that makes a lot of sense. And they the the White River, as they call it, was called the Manetherendrel, mm-hmm. and the Terran River that they call it is was the Terrandrel. Yeah, because they were saying that that Manetheran spread all the way into the Forest of Shadows at the time of its existence, right? Oh, like the, the, yeah. I think the land did. So. Yeah, they had their back to the White River when they were fighting off the Charlocks yeah, or then, the Menethern drill. So that kind of explains why there's no rulers in this town, right? These people are villagers and there's no lord, there's no gentry. They're, they're, they're not part of any nation, seemingly. Right. It's because they, they were, that their, their nation was erased from the map and they're all just sort of living there in no man's land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which it seems like somebody else would move in because that, that farmland is so so good, right? So so precious. Well, some of it is, but some of it is... It, it sounds like it's a, it's a hard land to farm, but they're, they, but they're there for... Because they're there, right? Yeah. They talk about how it's uh, it's rocky soil and right. that, you know everyone there is hardy because they have to do all this. But it, it, it makes sense now because we find out that their, their history, their blood is... Tied right. mythically, to except land. they completely forgot about it. Yeah, uh, you know, they well, have this like really gripping history. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, they, they, it's, it's. <laughs> I mean, are they illiterate? Or... They've got books, right? They're they're surprisingly literate, books. right? Yeah. Why is that? Why does nobody know that story? Why does nobody remember anything? Or why was no story passed down from generation? Yeah, to that doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, she did like delete the city, right? And and. Melt all the books, I guess. Well, but presumably these people are descendants of who survived, right? Because she says Emmons' blood runs in. So these these are the men. men That's, yeah, she specifically says that. Yeah, these are the Menetherans. Sort Menetheriners. Menetherites. The, the Manetherans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that talks it down, and but yeah, Rand didn't know this. The mayor didn't know this. Nobody knew this story. Yeah. Uh, but Moraine knew it, even mm. though she's not even from there. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. So, chapter 10, leave-taking. Uh, everybody gathers in the stable. This is a short chapter. Mm. Uh, Rand's got his father's sword, and he sees that Matt's got a bow, and, Ra- and Perrin has a really fancy axe. Yeah. So this is a, I, I love this scene. I think it's super cheesy, mm-hmm. but this is like... You can imagine a bunch of people sitting around like with their character sheets, like, we're building, <laughs> we're building our party now. Okay, yeah, we got it. And, and what gonna... you see is a very strong person and with a very fancy plus one axe. Yeah. Also, I'm going to put it out there. I don't know if they exist in this world, but I think Perrin is a dwarf. He he's definitely like the the the, the dwarf analog in this story to, to me because he's, he's got he's the blacksmith he's yep. got the axe he's, he's got like shorter big... than everybody else but he's super brawny yep yeah yeah totally. I actually thought that about Manetherin briefly when she was telling that story that they you know they live in the mountains and they mine and and their their craftsmanship is so amazing that mm. they're that you know they made these walls for this other city that everybody came from all around the world to view that's sort of dwarfish right it yeah. is yeah. So yeah, we have our we have our our Rand our our, our warrior. We have our our dwarf Perrin. We have our archer Matt, mm-hmm. and then you know we have some some late additions. Some, some... <laughs> we have some NPCs, yeah, like the, the high level NPCs to shepherd them through right. the next few missions. And of course, <laughs> you know, and, and of course, uh, Egwene, you know, is a late addition to the party, but her her class is not yet determined. I guess mm, that's true. Yeah, yeah. they even have a bard. Dude, the bar is really useful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, yeah, they're freaking out because they're all about to leave this town where they live for their whole lives, uh, and they talk about how, uh, you know, but it's not like in the stories, is it? This adventure really sucks, uh, which is kind of a that's kind of a hobbity thing to say. Yeah. Uh, 
and Egwene does join them, right? Egwene's not on the list, right? But she slips into the inn anyway and says, I'm going with you for unclear reasons. And Rand says, you know, it's going to be really dangerous. And she says, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Effectively, right? Well, I mean, it, 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 he's being a little bit condescending, right? A little bit, like, patronizing. Yeah, but isn't he also older than her? Isn't she just, like, 15 or 16? He's, like, yeah. he's like two, one or two years older than her. Like, I mean, even, even he doesn't want to leave. He's saying, like, I don't want to go because I'm scared of the Trollocs, and you shouldn't go because the Trollocs are going to be chasing us. It's not going to be any fun. But she's been saying, like, you know, I want to get the fuck out of Two Rivers, right? And then he's, he's like... And then he's she like, can, she can leave without leaving with the t- party that the Trollocs are hunting. Right? <laughs> she can just wait a few days and then leave. Right? That's, okay. Yeah. So, so why do you think she's going to steal a horse anyway? So why is she going with him? Because she's honestly, I think she's being a little childish. She yeah. sees it as a big adventure. Yeah. She, they mentioned she doesn't not, even have the right shoes for it. Oh yeah, yeah. So, right, yeah. So she's not she's not really prepared for this. She doesn't she doesn't really know what she's getting into. Or maybe and she's being sent by somebody. <laughs> I mean, somebody, who is it? Somebody who wants to as we, the flow of as we all agreed and established last time, her father, the known cannibal, and also dark friend, <laughs> has sent Egwene along to to track the party and make sure. You know. that, that is one interpretation. Maybe Rand was like, "You shouldn't come with us because your dad's a cannibal." <laughs> or I'm gonna that's I'm gonna, the subtext. I'm gonna throw this out here. Like she's desperate to get out of town, but she's desperately looking for maybe a role model because first she turns to Nene to try naive. to Nynaeve oh my gosh <laughs> so first, she, first she's following Nynaeve and then this way more powerful woman shows up and so she transfers over and starts following her instead so I don't know if she just is attracted to powerful women or what's going on there I like that interpretation a lot better than what I thought my thought was that she's following Rand and that that, that kind of bugged me but if but I like it a lot better if, she's, if she sees Moraine as like uh, uh, Either a role model or like a sugar mama. I, I can't decide. Which <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. role model. I yeah. Think, yeah, I think role model. I think Egwene uh, just wants more than this provincial life. Yeah. You know, like Belle. Like Belle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think that, like her, like she thought Nynaeve was Nynaeve was her ticket to get out of it, but Moraine is way more of a ticket to get out of this provincial life. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, she's an Aes Sedai, right? And and Egwene is kind of into that too. I think. Uh, you know, a powerful woman. Yeah. Uh, and she's sophisticated, right? Yeah, I think role model is, is the right way of looking at it. Even though, do you get a little bit of poor little rich girl? Because she is, like, literally the daughter of the richest man in the entire village. It's definitely true, right? Yeah. She, she grew up in inn and... and she doesn't, Daddy's yeah. the mayor. Yeah, she yeah. she definitely doesn't know what adventure means. I mean, she even even with all that's been going on, her experience has been relatively unhorrific. You know, she wasn't... <laughs> her Her house wasn't destroyed. Her family wasn't butchered or anything yeah, like she that. She had to wash her hands a lot. She did have to wash her <laughs> I, I guess she saw a lot of uh, a lot of wounds when she was healing. But Yeah, that was probably but, pretty rough. But it probably doesn't have like, the same... Uh, it doesn't feel as real to her as someone like, you know, Rand she, she feels very arrogant. Yeah. 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 She, yeah, she comes off that way. That's why I was a little rough on her when she comes in, because I, I thought Rand was maybe being a little uh, smothering when he's like, you don't want to come with us. But he he was on had a point right he they, it was reasonable for him to say that and she's like what you think I can't handle it <laughs> and yeah I mean yeah. come on only one of us has you know gone face to face with a trollic you're right exactly yeah, yeah. so Egwene but uh, Moraine is actually totally on board with her coming she's like it's part of the pattern she's coming uh, and Lan's like really this is kind of dumb 
And she's like, it's part of the pattern. Yeah, that kind of bugs me how she keeps, she becomes very go with the flow about about things. It feels yeah. like she's like, oh, well, this happened, so I'm not going to try to change well, it. My, I'm just going to go along with it. My read on this is that she sees something in Egwene mm-hmm. uh, that we don't see yet. But she does the same with Tom, you know? What, what I think is that because the Aes Sedai are, have this idea that they're serving the wheel or whatever, that she's kind of fatalistic. She's just like, well... You know, we can't undo what's been done. Yeah, maybe that's it, right? Mm-hmm. She's yeah. like, we're, what are we going to do? She's going to, like, we're going to kick her out and she's going to scream or something? What's going to happen? She's going to go, like, tell ever, wake everyone up and tell them to come after us. Yeah, or... so speaking of Tom, after they agree to take Egwene, Tom Marilyn comes, pops up. He's, <laughs> yeah. like, already there. Yeah. He's, yeah. There whole time. He's, like, hiding in the hayloft or hey, something. Guys. And there's this funny joke where, like, Lan told Perrin to check out the place. Uh, and he didn't do it himself, and like Perrin just did a bad job. Yeah. It's, it's funny just totally a guy there. Because when he when he mentions that, when he's like, "Did you do what I told you?" He like looks at the hayloft, and Perrin's like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> "I didn't think to check the hayloft." I, I looked at the stable. Look, I'm looking at the stable now. <laughs> and it's not it's not just the like anybody's there. Like a guy in the most obvious cloak, right? <laughs> the most ostentatious outfit in the entire town. Yeah. So Tom escapes pops notice. Down. Yeah. And uh, and he says, "Well, I'm going to head with you guys also." Because there's Trollocs around, and I don't fancy traveling by myself. Which is pretty reasonable, actually. Yeah. I think I, that's exactly what he's thinking. Yeah, he, 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 he doesn't strike me as particularly heroic. I think he's just kind of, like, he's, he's going to travel anyway, and it's much better to travel with a bunch of people with swords than to travel yeah. in the dark alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And there's this uh, interesting moment, I don't know if you guys noticed, where they're like, like, they have a little discussion over whether Tom's coming with them or not. And uh, there's and Moraine and Lan kind of have a silent conversation about it, and, and Moraine's like, "Yeah, he can come too." And Rand thinks, well, "What would have happened if he hadn't said that?" Yeah, you know, was was he was gonna Lan just, just kill gonna him? Just freaking waste him? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had his sword out and everything. And yeah, he, he pulled out his sword. He yeah. didn't put it away when he saw it was Tom. Yeah, he didn't put it away until she was, was like, "Oh, that's a good." Point. He was like, "Oh, it's Tom Marilyn. That's who I'm stabbing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you no, know, it, it definitely felt pretty sinister at that point because it was it's it's like. Well, what what uh, what lengths are they willing to go to? You know. Yeah. Right. And Mur- murder's not off the table, is what I'm saying. <laughs> right. There's something they think they definitely think this is very important. Whatever's going on here. Yeah. Although they haven't explained it to uh, to Rand, uh, so they sneak out of town on their horses, uh, and there's these town patrols going around, but they totally hide from them really easily. I felt so bad for these guys. I mean, they're they're clearly trying to do their best here, but they're and they're like. Their half-assed armor and their shitty weapons, and they're, <laughs> I think, just like super ineffective. He even says like two Trollocs would waste these dudes. You yeah. Know? yeah, but they're yeah they're doing their best, and it, it, we're comparing him to Lan, who of course is the the baddest ass from Badass Town, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so yeah, but they they managed to sneak past them. These what six people on horseback sneak past the town patrol several times yeah. at, at various <laughs> points. They stop, and the troll patrol walks back, and they keep going. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but. Uh, as they're they're heading across the country, Rand sees something in the sky. He sees a, a bat-shaped figure that goes in front of the moon. And he's like, wow, if that was a bat, it would have to have been like an inch away from my face. <laughs> or the size of a man. <laughs> yeah, it was super big. Uh, and he tells Lan about it. Uh, and Lan's like, oh no, it's a drag car. Drag car? Drag car. It can't be dragon because dragon is already a thing, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's basically a dragon. Yeah. It sounds like a dragon. Uh, a dragon. It's like more like a man-bat. Oh, Batman? No. Man, <laughs> different thing. Uh, and he sees a drag car and lands like, oh, well, if the drag car is on us, 
then that means it spotted us, right? It would totally see us. Yeah. And so we, we got to drop this sneaking, and we're gonna just going to go for speed, and we're going to get back on the road, and we're going to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And that's what they do. It's funny because when, when the they... The car, oh. like, who, is it Tom that knows about it? Yeah, that's what I was yeah, going to say. It's interesting. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, crap. Yeah, In the like, war that ended, the Age of Legends, worse than Trollocs and Half-Men were created. And then it says, Moraine's head jerked towards him as he spoke. Not even the dark could hide the sharpness of her look. Yeah, so she, yeah. I don't know if she's either surprised that... She's like, oh, maybe there's more to him than him just being a gleeman, mm-hmm. or if she's pissed off at him for, she doesn't want him to like spook the locals or yeah. something while they're I, trying to get him out. Yeah, it could be either. I, yeah. I read it as the first one, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, like, she's she, he, Who are you to know what a drag car is? Yeah. yeah, that's the way that that was my take on it too. But I think I think it could be a little bit of both too because you know she's like, dude, come on, chill it out. You're gonna you're gonna scare these dudes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, it it Tom. There definitely seems to be more to Tom than what we know because. He's he knows all about all these ancient stories. He knows about all these creatures that, you know, are not necessarily common knowledge for even a Glee man, possibly. Mm. Yeah, uh, and Drakkar. I don't. They didn't say anything else about the Drakkar yet. Just no. that it flies. It looks like a bat. Yeah, yeah. some kind of man bat. A man, <laughs> a Batman. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's the end of chapter ten. So, uh, what do you guys think so far? But, I'm I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, I'm curious it, to see where we're going to go with it's this. It's great. You know, I think that, I think that uh there was a a bit of a slow build, but now we're hitting the road and there's already a lot of bad stuff going on, a lot of adventure happening and mm-hmm. now we have to deal with the Strakar situation. Yeah, it's chock full of foreshadowing. It's, yeah. it's always clear that there's something much bigger going on and there's a whole world of things that these people don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh like the drag car that just showed up. Yeah, there's there's definitely a uh <clears throat> Robert Jordan is good at establishing a history and and a and a story you know yeah the underlying background stuff all right cool is there anything else you guys want to talk about no i think we hit on all the things yeah, that i wanted did. to mention mm-hmm. uh I, I got to return to my claims about <laughs> brand being <laughs> cannibal slash dark friend <laughs> right and now Egwene is is part of it does she know i i don't know that she knows but she's definitely like working for brand i think that she's like an agent that's traveling <laughs> with them maybe it's not so much she wants to travel as she wants to leave Oh, maybe she's trying to escape. Yeah, this is her only maybe. option. Yeah. yeah. Like, she, she can never make it on her own, right? Yeah. They track her down. Yeah. Hmm. He's got a really advanced sense of smell. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll see. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely right, and therefore everything that's going to happen is going to continue to prove my point. <laughs> as we watch Egwene. The wheel keeps as the wheel will. Yeah. So, yeah, next time we'll be uh, yeah, covering chapters 11 through 15. I'm Jeff Lake. Alice Sullivan. And Micah Sparkman. I am not all three of those people. Those are two different people. (laughs) Uh, Just doing different voices. Yeah. uh, Until next time.